Well, good morning. Again, coming to you from my kitchen uh, here this morning and doing the morning uh, live stream and podcast. And, and we appreciate you joining us at this time. And again, we are doing this because of the coronavirus or the COVID-19 crisis. And we're not having public services at the church. And we will resume when it's safe to do so. And uh, we will probably just let you know, I am looking at some things, got some advice in from different groups and about how to reopen. We're not doing that yet. We're not reopening yet, but there will be some changes. And so be ready for that. But, you know, I look forward to the day when we get to meet again. And, and I trust all of you that have been listening, if you're local, that you will uh, join us. And so, but we'll do that. Uh, one of these days we will get to meet again. And so I'm looking forward to that. Um, this morning, First thing we wanna do is open in prayer. And again, we do need to pray for those that are sick. And uh, I've been given some names of, not names, but some people to pray for that have been infected by the virus. And so let me encourage you to pray for them, pray for complete healing. There are many people in our country that have contracted this and thousands of people. So let me encourage you to pray for one another and pray that God will heal this, these people. Also pray that the Lord will give us a cure for this, that the Lord will give us somebody with a cure. And there are many other diseases out there like dementia and Parkinson's and, uh, um, uh, you know, cancer. And let's pray that the Lord will give us a cure for those diseases too. And I could list on and on and on ALS and different ones. So let me encourage you to pray that the Lord will give us cures for those diseases. We live in a sin corrupted world, a messed up world, an imperfect world where these things are gonna happen. But let's pray that the Lord will allow us to find cures for these and pray that God will just open the windows of heaven and pour out his spirit and uh, do a work here. And let's pray that the Lord would just take this away. I know that's one of the things I have hoped for and wanted to see that the Lord just perform a miracle and take it away and uh, be able to get back to almost business as usual. But I also understand some things of sin have been shut down as a result of this. And so uh, we never know why these things happen, but Let's just pray about that. Also pray for our leaders, our city leaders, our state leaders, our, our uh, national leaders, you know, the president, the governor, the mayors. Let's pray for them. I know many of us live in different areas. And so pray that the Lord will work and uh, pray that the Lord will just give them wisdom. Also, let me encourage you to pray for our missionaries. Uh, they need help at this time. So pray for them and pray that the Lord will take care of them. Some of them are having to do things in strange situations these days. Uh, some are still able to work, but some are having to, you know, be creative like we are right now with the live stream. Also pray for the nation of Israel and, and uh, pray that the Lord will work there and, and bless them. You know, I go back to that Genesis 12, 3, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And I want God to bless us. I really do. And so be in prayer for them and pray that the Lord will bless. They're still his people. Still has a plan for them. We'll see that a little bit in tonight's message. But in this hour, we're going to take you to the Bible and talk about another prophetic subject. We'll talk about the rapture of the church. But first, let's pray and let's ask the Lord to bless. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness. Father, I pray for a special blessing on each person that is listening to this live stream, this podcast, however they're listening. Father, I just pray that the Spirit of God would just bless them. Father, I pray the Spirit of God would encourage their heart. I pray that you would just watch over them. Father, if there's some that are sick, I pray for healing. Father, if there's others that are down, discouraged, depressed, I pray you'd encourage their heart today. And Father, I pray you give them something to be encouraged about. And we'll give, hopefully give that in a little bit. And 
Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just take this virus situation and take it away. Father, I pray you'd heal those affected by it. Give us somebody with a cure. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would just do a work here. And Father, I just pray that you would also bring healing to other diseases and bring cures for that. But now, Father, I pray that during this time, you would help believers to be faithful to you. You would help Christians to live for Jesus and to tell others about Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray you'd use this time to bring others to you and help us to draw closer. I know the devil's working. I know that the enemy is attacking. And Father, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would move now and just bless now. Lord, I pray that you be glorified through all that's done and that your will be done. Now, Father, bless today and give us what we need for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, this morning, I want to take you to the Bible in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if I can. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the rapture of the church, the rapture of the church. Uh, like I said, I've had a request to do some prophetic themes. And, and we live in one of those days where people are wondering, man, is this part of Bible prophecy? And, uh, you know, as far as I know, there are no uh, um, signs for the rapture. As far as I know, you know, I don't find any in the Bible. I know some people disagree with me on that. They say, well, Brother Scott, we live in the last days. Yes, last days started with Jesus. And uh, during the last days, there will be times of turmoil, times of danger, things like that. But in this hour, we're going to talk about the rapture and uh, the rapture of the church, as many people call it. And First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, if you have your Bible, let me encourage you to open your Bible and look there. Or if you've got an iPad, look there or a smartphone. If you don't, write some notes down, go back later and study it out. But First Thessalonians chapter 4, I want you to look down in verse 13 with me. Verse 13. Probably, probably the premier passage in the Bible that deals with the rapture. The premier passage. Look at verse 13 now. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Now, ignorant, he's not using that in a negative light. He's talking about being unlearned, not knowing, not knowledgeable. And so he's talking about that. He didn't want them to be unlearned concerning them which are asleep. Asleep. We're going to come back to that word. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, if you catch that there, the idea of the word sleep there is not the idea that somebody's taking an afternoon nap or that somebody laid down for the night. See, the idea here, there's a beautiful picture right here talking about those believers who have passed away are simply asleep until resurrection day. And that's the idea here. That's the idea of the word sleep here. And that's the idea here. He's talking about believers who have died. And he's talking about those who are maybe burying a loved one or had somebody pass recently. He says, I don't want you to sorrow if somebody doesn't have hope. And we'll come back to that. But that's what he's talking about here. But then look at verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This morning, I want to speak to you about that prophetic event known as the rapture. The rapture. Now, the purpose of this message is threefold. Very simple. 
It's threefold. Number one, as always, I want to glorify the Lord. Everything we do, according to 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31, should be to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, to God Almighty. Your life, my life should be honoring to him. And this morning, I want to honor him. Number two, I want to give you some basic Bible truths about the rapture, about this subject. Now, I, I won't be able to go in deep in this hour. I, I will not. But I want to give you some things from the Bible, uh, some, some truths from the Bible. And, and let me just tell you, in, in messages like this, when you talk about prophetic themes, it is easy to throw in your opinion. It is easy to build these models and things like that of events that can take place. But folks, what we're going to do today is we're going to try to just stick with the Bible, what the Bible says, and that's our goal. There may be uh, one or two areas where I'll say, I think, or this is what I believe or something like that. But uh, I will do that and I will tell you that. I will tell you that. But for, for what we're going to do, though, we're going to give you what the Bible says, give you what the Bible says. And then what I want to do is I want to share, number three, I want to share some practical truths to help us as we think about the rapture, some practical truths as we think about the, uh, the rapture. Now, Right up front, first thing I want to do, by way of introduction, I'm going to give you four basic truths when looking at the rapture. Four things to remember when you think about this event found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, four basic truths about the rapture. Number one, the rapture is a biblical teaching. The rapture is a biblical teaching. I know as I've studied this and I looked online and things like that, there are people that make fun of the rapture, that joke about the rapture, that talk about how it's not biblical. I'm here to tell you today, the rapture is a biblical teaching. Now, just say two things right here on that. Let me just say two things. Rapture, the word rapture is the name that is given to the event found here in verses 13 through 18. That's what it is. It's the event found here. Some people also, or let me just say, many people like me also believe it is referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and following. And so, but understand the word rapture is the title or the identification giving to the, given to the event right here in this passage. Second thing I want to say right here under this is this, the two, two things I want to say under this point is the word rapture is not found in the Bible. The word rapture itself is not found in the Bible. And I know some people, they will say, well, bless God, you know, the word rapture is not found in the Bible. How can you justify that? And that's a question some people have about that. Well, just because a name is not found in the Bible does not mean it is not here. Again, you got to go back and uh, you got to go back to the idea that it's the name given to the event found in verses 13 through 18. It's kind of like this. Uh, I believe in the Trinity. And I believe a lot of people that are listening to me believe in a triune Godhead. And we call it the doctrine of the Trinity. One God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Well, are you ready for this? I even looked it up again. The word Trinity is not found in the Bible. I've got a computer program that'll search every verse, every word in the Bible. And I typed in Trinity and it came up zero. You know what that means? The word Trinity is not found in the Bible. And folks, but yet we believe in the doctrine of the Trinity or the teaching about the Trinity. Do we not? Well, the word rapture is not found in the Bible, but guess what? I believe the rapture is taught right here in verses 13 through 18. And so that's the first thing you need to catch on this. You know, the word rapture not found in the Bible, but yet it is a Bible truth. Understand that. Number two, second thing I want to say right here, be cautious when it comes to the rapture. Be cautious. Why? Why do I say that? Because when looking at the rapture, there is a lot of teaching out there, a lot of teaching. And I've got to tell you, and, and I'm not trying to down anybody. 
uh, demean anybody or, or anything like that. But some of the teaching that is out there about the rapture is erroneous. Some of it is erroneous. Some of it is conjecture. You say, what do you mean by that? It's what people think or what they believe or their idea or thing like this. There, there are actually views to the rapture out there. But our goal, your goal and my goal should be with all scripture is to look for the correct interpretation of scripture to make sure we are interpreting the Bible correctly, make sure we are given the right sense. Second Timothy chapter two and verse 15, the apostle Paul to the young preacher, Timothy said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Our goal should be to give the right truth of scripture. Now, what, let me give you an example of this. When speaking of the return of Christ, you know, I know a lot of times you'll hear the phrase, Jesus is coming again one day. Well, can I be honest with you? When you think about that, Jesus is coming again one day, you could be referring to one or two events. And a lot of times people confuse the two events and they run the events together. So you got to be careful when interpreting scripture. Be careful. I know at, at our church, sometimes I will tell folks I intended to preach a certain message today, but I just wasn't sure about something in the text. So guess what? I put it off. Why? Because we need to use caution when it comes to the word of God and make sure we interpret it correctly. Because folks, it is easy to misinterpret scripture and say things that's not there. It's easy. So be cautious when it comes to the rapture. Third thing I want to say by way of introduction about the rapture is don't confuse the rapture with other events. Don't confuse the rapture with other events. And this is probably where I'm going to get into some areas where people will disagree with me. And, and that's fine. You know, not everybody agrees on everything, but that's fine. But, but what you and I need to understand is a lot of times people will confuse the rapture with certain other events listed in scripture. Let me give you two real quick, two real quick. The rapture is not the second coming. Now think about that for a minute. The rapture is not the second coming. The rapture is a distinct event from the second coming. You know, some people feel that the rapture is the second coming part one. Some people feel that the rapture is, you know, that takes place with the second coming. I don't believe that. I believe it is a distinct event, something that's going to take place before the second coming. Why? Why do I say that? Because in the rapture, as you read in these passages, you'll read in the passage here in these verses, in verses 13 through 18, Jesus comes in the air, takes the saved out. The re you have the resurrection of the saved dead. And you see that in verses 16 and 17. You see it there. At the second coming, Jesus comes back to earth. He sets up his kingdom. There is a judgment at that time. Everybody sees him. See, at the rapture, not everybody sees him. I believe at the rapture, I believe the rapture is an event. And, and this is where you get into conjectures, an event that possibly sets the stage for the coming of the Antichrist to take over the world. But what you see here in verses 13 through 18, if you read it and compare it to the second coming, it is not the second coming. So understand that. The rapture is not the second coming. So don't confuse the two events. The second thing I want to point out right here is this. The rapture, and hang on, is not the thief in the night. The rapture is not the thief in the night. Now, I know in the past, the rapture was called the thief in the night. But according to scripture, it is not the thief in the night. Think about that for a minute. If you go just, you're in 1 Thessalonians 4, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and look down in verse 2 and notice what he says. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord. Now notice, what's he talking about? The day of the Lord. 
that is not the rapture. Notice the day of the Lord so cometh as a what? Thief in the night. What comes as the thief in the night? The day of the Lord, not the rapture. What happens then at, now think about this, verses 13 through 18 in chapter 4 talked about a time of hope. You talk about the day of the Lord, the thief in the night. It's not a time of hope. What is it? Look at verse 3. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. What is the day of the Lord? It's a time when God pours out his wrath on the earth. Think about that for a minute. It's a time of sudden destruction. It's not a time of peace. It's not a time of hope. The day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. You know, and, and so it's not the rapture. It's, a, it's totally different. Uh, again, in, in days gone by, the rapture was called a thief in the night, but it's not. So don't confuse the rapture with other biblical events. Don't do that. And then number four, the fourth thing I want to say is watch out for date setters. Watch out for date setters. When it comes to the rapture, you got to watch for date setters. One thing that's happened over the years is that people have attempted to set dates for the rapture. They, they've attempted to do that. And as is obvious, none of them have come true. Did you catch that? I know that's obvious. It's an obvious statement, but none of them have ever come true. Let me just tell you, when people set dates for the cause of Christ, that hurts the cause of Christ. I mean, for the, when people set dates for the rapture, that hurts the cause of Christ. Understand that. That hurts the cause of Christ. Now, let me just tell you, I personally believe that the rapture cannot be dated. Now, why do I say that? Let me give you two reasons. Number one, in the Bible, the rapture is spoken of as an imminent event, imminent event. Now you say, what do you mean by that? It could happen in a moment. And we sing the song, it could happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. I don't know how many of you have ever heard that song, but we had a quartet at our church years ago that sang that. And I love that song. That was my favorite song of theirs. But Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe you and I are to be looking for him to come and to get us at any moment. Jesus said, I will come again. I will receive you unto myself. I believe that one of these days, Jesus is going to come in the clouds. There's going to be a trumpet sound. And you and I, if you're saved, you're going to take off. You're going to take off. But I'm looking for him to come. But folks, you and I also should be living like he could come at any moment. Now, again, we don't know when that will be. As I've said before, it could be five minutes, five days, five hours, five years, 50 years. We do not know. But we ought to be living like Jesus could come in a moment. But then also, let me just say this, secondly, why I believe that we cannot date the raptures, because there's no signs for the rapture. Now, somebody says, well, Brett, wait a minute, bro, Scott, in Matthew 24, there, there, there are signs there, this, wars, rumors of wars, and we see all these things today. Hey, as I've said before, if you will take Matthew 24, verses 4 through 8, and read Revelation chapter 6, and Revelation 6, I believe, is the beginning of the tribulation period. If you will put those two together, you see that those signs in Matthew 24, guess what they are? They are during the tribulation period, and those are signs for the second coming. Folks, there are no signs to the rapture. As far as I can see in Scripture, I don't see anything that tells me that this has to happen, or this has to happen, or this has to happen for the rapture. Now, are things going to line up for Jesus to return? Yes. To set up his kingdom? Yes. But we know that's at least seven years away. We know that. You say, why? The tribulation period has to start first. And the tribulation period has last how long? Seven years. We know that the rapture, we believe that the rapture is the next event on God's prophetic calendar. Sometime after the rapture, the Antichrist is going to come to power. There's going to be a covenant with Israel. The covenant with Israel starts the tribulation period. And at that moment, 
at that moment, those signs start for the second coming of Jesus Christ. They start. My friends, beware the date setters. Watch out for date setters. Now, down in verses 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, here you have the rapture itself spoken of. You have the rapture itself described for us. Tell us what's going to happen. And you come down to verse 15. He says, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we were to our life remain unto the coming of the Lord. Now, again, the rapture is referred to the coming of the Lord. It's not the second coming. It is Jesus doesn't come back to earth here at the rapture. He comes to the clouds. But under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. And the idea of the word prevent there is go before. We're not going to precede those that are asleep, those who have died in Christ. Look at verse 16 now. He starts explaining, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now what's going to happen? Someday Jesus is coming, my friends. Someday Jesus is coming. He's not going to come back to earth. He's going to come into the clouds. Now we're talking about the rapture. Later on down the road, he will come back to earth at the second coming. But for the rapture, Jesus is going to come. He's going to come in the clouds. He's not going to come to the earth during the rapture. And uh, we see that in verse 17 where he talks about the clouds in the air. What's going to happen? There's going to be a resurrection of the saved dead. At that moment, the saved dead and their spirit are going to be reunited. They're going to get their new bodies. And then the living saved are going to be uh, raptured out or caught up to meet the Lord in the air. At that moment, we will get our new body. We'll meet the Lord and we'll forever be with the Lord. Now, understand, that's the teaching here. Again, verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. There's going to be a voice over the archangel with the trump of God. There's going to be a shout. Trumpet's going to sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. There it is. The resurrection of the saved dead. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. So when they resurrected and go up, you and I are going to be caught up with them. Verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. There it is in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. He's not coming back to earth. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Again, one of these days, Jesus is going to come. Trumpet's going to sound. There's going to be a shout. The saved dead are going to be resurrected, to be reunited with their spirit. And then at that moment, you and I will be taken out of this earth. Again, though, that is only for the child of God. Only for the child of God. Now, with that said, what can we say? I want this to be more of a practical message. That's the rapture. We see the rapture of the church. Well, I want you to understand three things about the rapture. Number one, the rapture should have a motivating effect on us, a motivating effect. You say, what do you mean by that? You know, I wonder if some people feel, well, you know, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to get me, going to take me to heaven. You know, I can just sit and enjoy and have a ball. No, let me tell you, the rapture ought to have a motivating effect on you. Motivating. You say, how should it motivate me? Well, number one, it ought to motivate you to serve Christ with everything you have, to serve Christ diligently. What did he say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58? 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and following uh, talk about the rapture, when that takes place, and our resurrection and our resurrected body, incorruptible, uh, incorruptible and mortal and immortal, things like that. But then you come down to verse 58, and he talks about all these things about the resurrection. And verse 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as mu much as you know that your labor is not in vain. Folks, we ought to serve Christ diligently knowing that Jesus is going to come back for us one of these days. We ought to serve him with all of our might. I love what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I labored more abundantly than they all. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Jesus told, told uh, 
Jesus in Luke chapter 19, verse 13 said, occupy till I come. Now, that's not occupy a seat or occupy a pew. No, you know what the idea is? He wants us to be busy until he returns. And folks, you and I need to be busy in the work of Christ until Jesus comes back. Be busy. I mean, serve Christ diligently. Give it our best. Give it our whole heart. Then number two, not only should it have a motivating effect to serve Christ diligently, it ought to have a motivating effect to be faithful to our church family. Be faithful to our church family. Um, you know, I know a lot of people in this day and age say, well, Brother Scott, you know, I can be as close to God, uh, you know, at home or on the golf course or something like that as I can in church. Well, you know what Hebrews 10, 25 says? It says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is. It's the manner of some who claim to be Christians, not to be part of a church. That's sinful. Did you hear what I said? That's wicked. That's sinful. They need to be part of a church family. They need to be faithful to a church family. But he said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Folks, you know what God's design is when you get saved is become part of a church. I know people say, well, I can be close to God without a church. Nope, nope, you can't. You cannot. Why? Because if you're not being part of church and faithful to the church of God, you know what? You're in disobedience to God. You're in disobedience to God. And if you're in disobedience to God, there is no fellowship with God. I know people say, well, Brother Scott, I don't know if I believe that. Well, listen to 1 John chapter 1 and verses 5 and 6. Then this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In other words, God is perfect. There is no sin in God whatsoever. None. No darkness at all. No hint of ungodliness. No hint of unrighteousness. God is a holy God. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness... We lie and do not the truth. If we practice a life of sin and disobedience against God, we don't have fellowship with God. Why? Because God is holy. That's why in 1 John 1, 9, we need to confess our sin. Come to God and say, God, I've blown it. Make our lives right and get back in tune with God. Folks, be faithful to your church in this day and age. You know, if you don't live in Nashville, you know, and you live somewhere else, find a church home and get in it and be faithful to a church that believes the word of God, preaches the word of God, teaches the word of God, gives you an opportunity to serve God. Get in that church and be faithful. Folks, you need a church family to help you grow in Christ. You need a church family to encourage you in your walk. You need a church family to serve the Lord together with. Folks, be faithful to your church. You know, when we open back up, let me encourage you. If you're listening to me today and you're in the Nashville area, you don't have a church home, let me encourage you to come visit with us. Come be part of our church family. Come and, and get there. You know, again, I know people say, well, bro, Scott, no, you need to follow what the Bible says. Follow what the Bible says. Become a, become a Christian that is a church Christian. That is God's design for you. And then number three, motivating effect. This motivating effect ought to motivate us to serve Christ diligently, ought to motivate us to be faithful to our church, and then ought to motivate us to share Christ. Motivate us to share Christ. I've brought this out before. People ask, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? The reason Jesus has not come back yet is because he's waiting for more people to get saved. He's waiting for more people to get saved. James chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Be patient, therefore. Be patient. Brethren, under the coming of the Lord, behold, the husband and waited for the precious fruit of the earth and have long patience for it until we receive the early and latter rain. You know, the Lord is waiting for more people to get saved. That's why he hasn't come back yet. 
That's why Jesus hasn't raptured us out. Because at that moment, those who've heard the gospel and have rejected it will never have another chance to get saved. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, he says there very plainly about the return of Christ. He said this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, or some men count slackness, but his long suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Folks, you and I ought to realize that the Lord is waiting for people to get saved. That's why he hasn't come back. So you and I need to do everything we can to try to reach others with the gospel. You know, and, and you say, but bro, Scott, right now we're kind of stuck in the house together. We're stuck in the house, can't get out, can't do things. Hey, folks, you can still pray for people, can you not? Number two, you can share the Facebook messages, can you not? If you hear a message that blesses you that deals with lost people, share it on your Facebook page so that others can hear it. You know, tell others about Facebook and messages. Share Bible verses with them on your Facebook page. Make sure your Facebook page is a right testimony, though. You know, make sure your Facebook page is the right testimony. There's a lot of people out there claiming to be Christians. There's stuff on their Facebook page that are ungodly. You know, and and uh, in fact, some people have asked me over the years, why don't I get on Facebook? Because I'd be tempted to say something to offend a lot of people, you know, and uh, you got to be careful, folks. Make sure your testimony is right. And then what about giving the missions? Make sure we support missionaries to send out and then being a witness ourselves, telling others about Jesus. But folks, it ought to motivate us knowing that Jesus is coming back. It ought to motivate us to share Christ with others. Let me you two more things and I've got to hurry. Number two. The rapture should not only have a motivating effect, it'll have a settling effect. Think about that for a minute. A settling effect. A settling effect. I read the verse a while ago, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58 there about the uh, about the resurrection of the believer and the resurrection of uh, the believer one of these days when the rapture takes place. And in verse 15, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, steadfast. The idea of you and I can be settled in our faith in Christ, standing upon Jesus Christ. You know, when you are settled knowing what you believe, that one of these days Jesus is coming back and that you have that hope of heaven, hope of a new body, hope that one of these days that all of us are going to be reunited. Boy, that is one of the great hopes of the of the rapture. But can I tell you something, my friend? That ought to settle you in your faith. That ought to give you something to stand upon, something that where when life hits you with all these things, it doesn't throw you into a tizzy. See, when you're settled in your faith, you're able to go on in the face of whatever may come, in the face of this pandemic we're facing, in the face of this shutdown we're having, in the face of unemployment right now, in the face of job situations, in the face of all kinds of things. It ought to have a settling effect on us, a settling effect. Who's your trust in? Is it in the Lord, knowing that one of these days Jesus is coming again? Knowing that one of these days those who have gone on before that are saved will get to see again? Does it have a settling effect to your heart? So not only should the rapture have a motivating effect, it ought to have a settling effect. But then number three, the rapture ought to have an encouraging effect. An encouraging effect. Oh, the passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is a great passage. It is a great passage in the Bible. Folks, I want you to understand the purpose of this passage is not necessarily to teach about the rapture. That's not the primary purpose of the passage. The primary pur purpose of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, was written to give encouragement, comfort, and hope to believers in the loss of a saved loved one. That's what the passage is about. In fact, look at verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those who have died in Christ, that ye sorrow not, 
even as others which have no hope. The word hope there is very interesting. You know what the idea of hope is for the child of God? It's expectation. It's not, oh, I'm going to sit on this chair and hope it holds me up. No, I'm going to sit down on the chair and expect that it will hold me up. See, the hope that you and I have, we expect that Jesus is going to come again one of these days. We anticipate that Jesus is coming back one of these days to take us out. But this passage is a passage of hope. Hope. You know, several years ago, I, uh, I, uh, you know, as a pastor, I get to do weddings and I get to do baby dedications and I get to do uh, um, funerals, um, you know, and, and, you know, a few years back, I, uh, back in the nineties, I did a funeral for somebody down here at one of the funeral homes. And I really labored over the, uh, the message, what to preach. And, and it was the first time I had ever used first Thessalonians four in a funeral message first time. And I got the reading about the rapture and I got the reading about the hope that we have. And so at that funeral in that funeral home, there was about 70 or 80 people there. I preached on hope. I preached on hope. And you know what I shared out of this passage? I shared this. Number one, we can have hope based on this passage because those people are with the Lord. Those people are with the Lord. That person that that died was a claim to be a Christian. They were a member of our church. And, and uh, you know, the comfort you and I can get, the hope we and I can get comes from number one, that they're with the Lord, you know, and, 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 and it talks about them being with God in verse 14, them being with God. And the second hope we have is this, we will see them again. You know, one of these days there is going to be a reunion. We believe that, you know, when we die right now, we go straight to heaven. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse eight, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. But then one of these days there's going to be a great reunion at the rapture. But you know what the best part about that is? It's not going to be in the same form. We're not going to see them in the same form as we saw them go. Why? They're going to have their new body, according to what we believe in. 1 Corinthians 15, 52, and Philippians 3, 20 and 21. That new body that we're going to get that is like the Lord Jesus Christ. But also we have the hope that Jesus is coming again. But anyhow, I preached that message. I gave the idea that that day, and, and if I remember, I gave three points and and, uh, you know, I gave, and my points were something like, you know, a better world awaits and things like that. Some of you have heard me preach. I love preaching from this passage at funerals. It's just, it's hard to preach to a church family the same message over and over and over again about hope. But I love the hope we have here because, you know, when you look at a casket, you, you think the end. But if you're a child of God, there's hope there. There's hope. There's hope. And thank God for that. There's hope. But anyhow, I preached that day. And I gave the message. And so at the end of the message, I, I gave a gospel witness about why we have that hope, why we can have hope that one of these days Jesus is going to get the child of God and take him to heaven. Why we have hope that we'll see those saved people again. Why do we have that hope? It's because of our faith in Christ. Notice in verse 14, it says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him? He's talking to the saved. And I started explaining why we had hope. And I gave the gospel. And I shared Jesus Christ with those people. Told them how Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose again, so that they could be saved. So that they could have this hope. And if they were willing to repent and by faith accept Christ. At that moment, I had everybody bow their head at the funeral home. Everybody in the room. 
And I told them and I gave them a short, real quick thing. I said, now, if you want to, if you want to be saved, I said, pray something like this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and save me for Jesus sake. And, and then I had them raise their head. I said, now, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to do me a favor. If you didn't pray the prayer, keep your head down. I said, but if you've prayed that prayer, would you raise up, raise your head and look at me? Over half the crowd of 70, 80 people raised their head and looked at me. I thought they'd misunderstood me. I had them bow their head again. You said, what? Yeah, I thought, man, what happened? It shocked me. And I thought, man, they've misunderstood me. So I had them bow their head again. I said, no, now, wait a minute. What I'm talking about is if you prayed that prayer, raise your head. And you know what? Over half the crowd, about half or over half the crowd raised their head that they accepted Jesus that day. My friends, after the service, people came up to me and said, what kind of preacher are you? I said, well, I'm a Baptist preacher. They said, well, we were this till today. We're Baptist now. We're going to find us a church to get into. Folks, that thrilled my heart. But you know what? It's not because of a message I preach it, but it's because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to come again one of these days. We're going to be taken out of this world. You know, the saved dead are going to be resurrected. I think about my mom. My mom's in heaven right now. One of these days, she's going to get that new body. She's going to come out of that grave in Lexington, Kentucky. You know, my friend, do you have that hope that if Jesus were to come today, that you would go to heaven? And you say, yes, Brother Scott, I know I'm saved. I know I'm a child of God. I know that I have been born again. Can you say that today? If not, right there where you're at, let me ask you, do you realize that you're a sinner who needs a Savior? Do you realize that because of your sin, you're going to stand before a holy God one of these days and be judged for that sin? And let me tell you, you're going to have to pay for the penalty yourself. You're going to have to pay the penalty. Why? Because you stand condemned already, my friend. And because of your sin, you stand condemned. You're going to have to pay the penalty. But if you've made Jesus your Savior, Jesus paid the penalty for you at the cross. He died on the cross of Calvary so that you could be saved. My friend, do you believe that you're a sinner who needs a Savior? Do you realize you stand under God's condemnation? My friend, there's only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus. That's by repenting of your sin, by believing in Christ, putting your faith in Him. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God who died for you on the cross, was buried and rose again the third day so you could have eternal life? My friend, if you do, you can pray right where you're at. Admit your sin to the Lord and ask Him to save you. My friend, maybe you're a Christian today and you haven't been living according to the Word of God. Why don't you determine today that you're going to serve Christ? Why don't you determine today that you're going to live for Him and be faithful to Him, regardless of what may come your way? All of us go through things. But folks, that doesn't mean we have to quit serving Christ. Maybe you're a Christian today and you've been living in some sin, you need to confess it to Him. Won't you do it today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, your love. Thank you for your blessings. Father, you've been so good to us. Give me where I failed you, even today. Bless our families. Watch over everyone that's infected with this virus. Give our leaders what they need. Father, bless our church family. Bless the ones listening by these broadcasts. And Father, I just pray the Holy Spirit would use these simple words to honor you for us in Jesus' name. Amen.
God bless you.